Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Everybody to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got the whole crew with us. Whole crew in their respective studios. Uh, Benjamin Wolf has come off the road, uh, hanging out with us, as well as Kip Adams. Uh, Kip, I'll start with you. Uh, believe it or not, this is the last full week, or, or this is the last week of June. Can you believe that uh, we are almost into July? And as we were talking about before this started, uh, really into the dog days of summer. Yeah, I hope everyone got caught up on all their TV shows. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of downtime, you know, coming anytime soon. This is this is it. While the recruiting will seemingly go into an air quote dead period, will be anything but dead over the next 30 days, and then you know before you know it, uh, Jordan will be out there on the practice fields, uh, you know, checking out the back-to-back defending national champions. So. Go ahead and knock out season two of the bear while you can, because uh, you're not going to have a lot of you know free time to, to get anything else done. Hopefully your lawn looks great because uh, it's not going to be mowed anytime soon. This is it. The uh, lawn better be looking good because I don't know what it's been like where y'all are at, but uh, it rained pretty much nonstop in Athens last week. It was miserable, so uh, definitely need to get out there. Ben, uh, how's it feel being off the road for at least a, at least a day in what I know has been a few uh, you know, busy few weeks for Yeah, you. no, it's good. I mean, maybe I maybe it was I'm the new guy. I'm naive. I had no idea what to expect. But June, my goodness, is crazy. And I think that July is going to be just as if not more. Um, it really is. You know, I alluded to this on a post I put on uh, Dogs 24-7 earlier today, too. But like it just feels like this is a new era kind of of how the calendar is going to shake out and how people are going to prioritize the summer so much more than um, ever before. And I think George is doing it as well as anyone right now. No doubt about that. Well, let's go into uh, first uh, nugget that I really want to tackle is uh, something that happened last week. We had been hearing rumblings of this coming to pass, finally confirmed, finally announced that Dylan Riola is coming from Arizona to Georgia a year earlier than expected. He is transferring to Buford High School, one of the powerhouse high school programs in the state of Georgia. And uh, Ben, I'll start with you. Uh, What do you think about this move for Dylan and, uh, you know, we talk a lot uh, over the years when it comes to Buford High School and Georgia trying to recruit guys out of Buford and swinging and missing. Uh, d- does that piece of this puzzle interest you at all when it comes to Dylan going to Buford? Yeah, I mean, Dylan's probably not going to end up in Georgia's class now, right? He's at, he's at right. Buford. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I-, I think that obviously I think Buford's the top, probably the top football program in the state of Georgia right now. If you're trying to get over to Georgia, 
and get closer to where you're going to end up playing your college ball. I mean, I think that there's no no better place to end up than Buford. It's obviously a loaded roster that they've got right now. That's the 24 class. That's the 25 class. That's going to be the 26 class as well. They're not slowing down at Buford anytime soon. And I think that from a recruiting standpoint, probably where it interests you the most is, I mean, it's obvious is going to be KJ Bolden. And how does that impact him and a guy that's going to be throwing him the ball when he's playing wide receiver this year. So I think that's probably the biggest recruiting, you know, interest there is there, but also I know the sidelines at Buford high school this fall are going to be pretty crazy because I know anybody and everybody in the Georgia sphere that does anything close to this for a living is probably going to be around a lot of Buford games this fall. So I think it should be an exciting time over there. Yeah, I think some of the beat riders will be camped out uh, in the parking lot outside of Buford Stadium because it's uh, it's going to be pretty busy. Uh, Kip, uh, we were talking about, I think it was before the last podcast we recorded, uh, trying to remember the last kids from Buford that had gone to Georgia. Um, what do you think about the impact this really could have with Dylan um, getting a chance to be around guys like K.J. Bolden, Edrick Houston, even some of those younger guys that Georgia's after, um, if this could potentially help Georgia with some of those recruitments? Yeah, well, obviously doesn't hurt there. I mean, having a guy that's kind of the, you know, the 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 figure of your class, the the frontliner, the number one recruit in the country, being at Buford is huge for Georgia. It's gonna be plenty written about that, like you guys said. I mean, when when their season starts and they're, you know, they're playing whether it's uh you know St. Francis Academy or you know, playing Carver, Columbus, Carver, Atlanta, uh, Collins Hill, those games are, there's going to be no shortage of media on the sidelines just because he's going to be there. But then also this, this roster is stacked and you'll get KJ Bolden. He's taken his official visits. Uh, you know, a decision could come soon. I think every single day that, you know, you have a guy like Dylan Ryla, you know, just kind of in your ear and reminding you of, of why he chose Georgia. It's got to help your case, and I think that I mean that's a recruitment that seems to be you know getting a little bit uh, more interesting as these official visits have wrapped up. You know that Alabama put their best foot forward, and Ohio State's a, a program that that's been heavily involved in his recruitment for a long time. So you probably still feel good if you're Georgia, but you still want to hear it. You know, you want to hear that public announcement. Uh, Georgia's got guys that are silently committed right now, but. You know, a lot of these guys have still taken visits and, and, and until these guys put it out there to the world that that's where they want to go, you still kind of have to, you know, keep recruiting them as if they're uncommitted. So uh, I, I think for Georgia, you you love having a guy like that right down the road from you at, at Buford. And, and yeah, as I said before, the last Georgia, uh, the last signing out of Buford, I believe, was Josh Cardiello. That would have been 2013. So we've gone a decade without any uh, guys out of that program going to Georgia. And I know a lot of people have, have talked about that. It's, it's been a discussion point, especially in recruiting on the junkyard all the time. Uh, but Georgia's also recruiting nationally. So I don't think that, you know, Kirby Smart's really been hurting along the recruiting trails. But that's a big time program. You get a guy like that on board and a guy like that that's hoping to lead this team to a state and and possibly uh, that mythical national championship in high school. Uh, that That's good for Georgia program. They didn't need any help recruiting, but uh, every little bit does help. It's going to be fascinating to see how Dylan plays in GHSA, and I'm sure that uh, probably a combination of all three of us will get to watch him at some point uh, this high school season, I have no doubt. Um, well, uh, believe it or not, uh, there was more recruiting news since the last time we have recorded a podcast. 
Georgia has added two more defensive linemen commits to its class. Uh, last Wednesday, three-star Quintavious Johnson from Atlanta pledged. And then on Sunday, Namdi Ogboko uh, from North Carolina, another defensive lineman, three-star uh, committed. Uh, scratch, uh, you know, uh, Stop me if you've heard this one before, but Georgia went into North Carolina and got a really uh, talented defensive uh, lineman. Um, Kip, I'll start with you. What do you think of these two guys that they've added, uh, these two defensive line commits, continuing to stack talent on talent in the number one class in the nation? This Georgia coaching staff is really kind of putting the screws uh, to Ben and I as far as trying to figure out the the, the recruiting board and just, uh, you know, who they they might have above the other guys, who they might be at landing because, again, over 50 official visitors already. Uh, it, it's kind of been insane. I've looked at some of the other schools and, like, they've had one big recruiting weekend of, like, eight or nine guys, and then it would go down to four or five. Uh, we haven't, we haven't had that really this whole month. It's, it's been kind of uh, just high paced every single day where we're tracking another guy who might announce trying to figure out where these spots will fit. Georgia's already now over 20 commitments for the class. It's seemingly almost, almost full already. Uh, these defensive linemen, I mean, at this, you know, we know that Georgia needed guys along the defensive line at multiple positions. And uh, Quintavious Johnson is an interesting one because, uh, you know, we thought, okay, uh, you know, is this guy an edge? Is this guy a five technique, a three technique, uh, you know, 6'4", 240 pounds? Uh, you look at the frame and you, you start to think, okay, wait a second. Maybe this guy might be an edge rusher for Georgia. Now, you know, he's got that kind of frame. He, he has the ability to stand up and, and rush the quarterback. So it kind of resets the numbers a little bit. You started, you had him pegged, you know, maybe as one of the defensive line guys, but you're like, well, Georgia didn't have an edge rusher in this class. Could this be that guy for them, or at least give them a guy that they know they have on board, uh, allow them to kind of just, you know, hone their focus in on some other guys. And I, I think that's kind of what happened here with Quintavious Johnson. I think he's got a lot of talent. SEC programs were after him. Uh, at a program at Mays, it's it's put a lot of players, you know, into the next level in the NFL where Brian McClendon co uh, played at one point. So, you know, there are a lot of ties there, and Georgia knew a lot about him. So I think they had to feel pretty good about what he brings to the table to take him. And and then also just getting uh, Nami Ogboko. We, we kind of figured out a couple weeks ago, well, Georgia doesn't have a nose tackle in this class. We knew, okay, well, they have one visiting each of the next two weeks probably going to end up with a nose tackle in this class. And and he's actually an intriguing guy because uh, not only does he not look like – he's probably the the best-looking, like, 340-pound prospect I've seen. He carries 340 like I wish I carry, uh, you know, 230. Uh, it's just an uh, outstanding build. And then you start to – you put on the film and you're like, wait, this guy just started playing football a year ago? Uh, he's got double digit, you know, tackles for loss, um, gets after the quarterback, you know, pretty raw pad level uh, has to be worked on, but that's to be expected for any high school prospect, but there's a lot to work with there. And so now you're like, okay, well now, now it makes sense that why Trey Scott would take this guy and, and give himself, uh, you know, another guy to work with, like you said, at North Carolina, uh, the plays at nose tackle position. And, and you look at how important that position has been at Georgia, uh, you you got to have one of those guys uh, uh, on the on the roster because 
they just play differently when they have a gal out there kind of doing what they asked their zero or one technique to do. And I think, uh, you know, once he gets in there uh, a couple years from now, he could really help out the program. So a couple of big time additions along the defensive line and, and an edge uh, rusher position. And now it's starting to look like, OK, how many more are they going to take? It's now becoming a numbers game for, for Georgia. And it's been fascinating for, for Ben and I to try to crack that code. Ben, you've written some really interesting pieces about these commits, sort of in the aftermath, sort of showing us uh, what they bring to the table. What strikes you the most about each of these guys and what you've learned uh, since we've uh, found out that they're going to be Bulldogs? Yeah, well, I think in Quintavia's case, I think Georgia has identified something there. I mean, he's been on campus a lot more then, I mean, I think we even, Kip and I both alluded to it. We didn't know a ton about Quintavious coming into his official visit, but the more that you look back at things, I mean, he has been visiting Georgia regularly. There clearly was a mutual interest there that maybe wasn't as acknowledged as it truly was. And so I think seeing him commit was maybe one of those things. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and it seems a lot more obvious now, obviously, that he's announced it and done it. But I do think he brings that edge potential to Georgia. Um, I think that um, you know, he's actually a quarterback initially as well. He throw, he played some quarterback in seven on seven too. So there's some rare athleticism that he has there. I think that when you look at last year's edge rusher class, you knew that you were probably going to try and make a big splash at edge this year and try and find some developmental pieces at edge this year. And I think that Quintavious fits perfectly into that as someone who has just a tremendous amount of upside. Um, I think in Namdi's case, to, to Kip's point, he's been playing football for a year. I mean, that's really what stands out to me, that a guy of, of his caliber has been only playing football for a year. He's a basketball player. I, I, it blew my mind thinking of a guy that size moving on a basketball court, but this is going to be his first year not playing basketball. So he's just so much more ingrained in that sport than he is in football. I think this being his first year playing football is really going to pay dividends for him. And I think, you know, we we last time we were on here, we were talking about Makai Boro choosing Florida. Well, it doesn't take Georgia quick to solve any ch problems that they feel like they ran into. They feel like you can call it a air quotes, miss, whatever you want to describe it as. Makai last week, Nambi's now in the class this week. It didn't take long for Georgia to get that figured out at nose tackle. That basketball background is very interesting. It makes me think of guys they've had before. I think specifically Broderick Jones had a basketball background and proved to be a very good offensive tackle for Georgia. Uh, we will take a quick break. Uh, we will come back, answer a question from one of the viewers, and uh, also talk a little bit more recruiting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, I wanted to throw this up to both Kip and Ben. Coy Douglas had a question. Uh, who do you think you guys think is the most important commit that Georgia has gotten? As it stands, Georgia has 21 commits in that 2024 class. And I'll start with you, Ben, especially because still a little bit newer on the beat and kind of have a fresh perspective. Who sort of stands out to you of the guys that Georgia has landed in this class and uh, who you think may be the most important? Yeah, I mean, I, it would obviously be easy to go with the quarterbacks, either one, honestly, for various reasons. I think Puglisi, you know, it would be easy to say Raiola, but I think Puglisi brings some of that too, just because of the firmness that he has to give you that two quarterback class. Um, I'm going to go with a weird one, though. I, I'm going to go with Ellis Robinson. I know that he's still taking visits elsewhere too, but I think that it goes on underappreciated just how highly rated he is in the grand scheme of Georgia commitments in the history of Georgia football. Like he's really up there. I think that you always want to have that lockdown cover corner in the class. And I'm always going to be partial to defensive backs as well. That's I'll just give that disclaimer out there in advance. I think that, you know, I'll be interested to see how the rest of his recruitment unfolds now that he's taken some of these official visits and whether he does just come out and fully lock things down or whether there is any fret levels that leak into the fall. Uh, but I just think that locking up that sure cover corner in the class is someone that I think is always really important. And I think, you know, he was a highly rated guy that's been on board for a while now. Kip, uh, what say you, what would your answer be to the most important? Well, I want to th- I was going to say Ellis Robinson, not going to lie, because I just think that he is one of the most talented prospects that's ever been committed to Georgia. I just think, yeah, true lockdown corner. You know, Georgia's had some incredible DBs, uh, you know, DeAndre Baker, Eric Stokes, some big time guys. But I just think he kind of brings it, you know, all to the table coming out of high school. He projects really well. But, you know, I'm looking at this class. I know they have Chauncey Bowens uh, committed right now. They feel really good about Nate Frazier. I just think Dwight Phillips is a guy that is different, you know, different than anybody else, uh, you know, that's maybe on the roster right now, just in the fact that he's got that elite, elite track speed, but he's pushing 190 pounds now, a guy that could be a 10-3 guy that uh, could help you in the backfield. And we kind of looked at, you know, that running back room right now, who is that uh, guy that can, you know, break the long run in, in Georgia's room right now? A lot of guys that look like, you know, they can break tackles. Uh, but as far as those 30-plus yard runs, who you know, who might be that guy now that guys like, you know, James Cook, some of those explosive guys are, are in the league. And I look at Dwight Phillips as a guy that could just help Georgia out in multiple ways as they look for elite playmakers, you know, uh, knowing that Brock Bowers is going to be in the NFL this time next year. They're going to be looking to, you know, replace a lot of playmaking on offense. And I think that Dwight Phillips can be one of those guys that kind of just changes how not only you game plan for Georgia, but how Mike Bobo, uh, you know, kind of draws up his place. I, I just think every time he has the ball in his hands, uh, he is a threat. He, he can play, help you out at receiver as well. And I know that's huge in this class as they – continue to try to see if, you know, there's going to be another wide receiver in this class. We're not sure. They got some guys on board right now. Uh, but I just think, you know, when, when your dad's an Olympic gold medalist uh, and and you have that kind of ability as well, uh, I think that's just something unique and special. So I just, Georgia fans, do not forget, you got Dwight Phillips in this class. He's basically, you know, a top 100 prospect who it just makes plays. And I think, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch his college career because I, I do think it's best football is in front of him. 
That's Jordan. Actually, if I, I just want to hop in real quick on that because Kip made me think of something when he was talking about Dwight and how we're thinking of the running backs, but also Nikar is a guy that he's the number fifty-five overall recruit in the twenty-four-seven Sports composite. That makes him the highest-rated wide receiver since George Pickens at Georgia. Now, obviously, there's a lot to shuffle out with senior seasons and final rankings and things like that, but I think it shouldn't go under respected how good Nikar is and how highly valued he's really being viewed by evaluators right now. Um, and so he's someone that while I know everybody wants to land a five-star and get add more to that receiver class, I think Nikar being that fixture in the class is really important too. He's had a hell of a summer as well. I mean, he's just making play after play after play every time you see him out there. But uh, I mean, I, I want to ask the question, uh, is he even the highest rated wide receiver on Georgia's uh, commit list right now when all is said and done? Because you got uh, Natarian Tuggle down at IMG Academy. He's not going to be hidden any longer. You know, he was, you know, uh, he was at Northwood uh, before uh, up there in uh, Indiana. And now uh, down there at IMG Academy, going to be playing big time programs every single week. He's already rated inside the top 100 on, on 24-7 sports. Uh, I, I think he could be a guy that's pushing inside the top 50 as well when all is said and done because he, he's a physical freak out there and, and getting better every week as well. So don't sleep on this wide receiver class for Georgia. I think it's a great point that both you guys made because really my answer would be Dylan Ryola because of what he brings. Also, a year after you miss on Arch Manning when Georgia felt like they were in really good shape with him, but I was going to sort of add the caveat of some of these receivers, whether they do wind up landing a five-star or we may see one of these guys wind up earning five-star status by the time it's all said and done. Um, yeah, I'm really interested just to see these guys come in because uh, Kip and I have talked about this, I think, really since I came on staff, that one of the big knocks that is still left for opposing coaches to have for Georgia is on wide receiver. You know, it's been – so many years since a Georgia wide receiver has had on a thousand yard season, Terrence Edwards, you go back then, you know, if you can get some of these uh, high profile guys, even if they wind up falling short of five-star status, uh, it feels like that that could do a lot of good and uh, adds just one less thing that coaches that are going up against Georgia can bring up when it comes to the recruiting trail. Yeah. You look back uh, uh, and think about AJ green suspension uh, George Pickens and, and, you know, A.D. Mitchell injuries uh, still only have 1,000-yard receiver at Georgia is mind-blowing. Man, they have they have not gotten the, the luck of the draw on, on a lot of those wide receivers in, in the last 10, 15 years. So you're right. That's the kind of the last thing they have. And, you know, Mike Bobo knows that as well. Uh, and I don't think he's going to, you know, uh, dial up a bunch of plays to try to get it. I, I think he's more concerned with making sure uh, he breaks his own scoring record, uh, you know, that everyone kind of forgets when they talk about Todd Munkin. No doubt about it. Ben, I want to give you the spotlight. Last week you were down in Bradenton, Florida at the Under Armour Future 50. Tell us a little bit about what you took away from that experience. Uh, anything of note that um, you got from some of the guys Georgia's going after or just things in general you took from being down there at that? Yeah, well, I'd, for starters, I'd encourage people to go to Dogs 24-7 and read what I wrote about all of it because I probably will sell – I won't get all of it in here or I'll sell some of it short because the crazy – the thing that really stood out to me is these are 50 of the best players, rising juniors in the country, and the number of guys that were there that I had legitimate notes to write about that were related to Georgia was shocking. I mean, the amount of guys that are the best players in college football or in high school football – 
and they have serious mutual interest in Georgia is, I mean, there, there are obviously other programs that are up there on par with Georgia on that front, but you hear Georgia and there's guys talking glowingly about Georgia in ways that is not happening with other college football programs across the country. So that was probably the big thing that stood out to me. There were two Georgia commits that were there. Uh, Justice Terry is a guy that went viral for, you know, Instagram photos of him when he was in middle school because he looks like a grown man. He still looks like a grown man. He'll always look like a grown man. He played that way. He was one of the best defensive linemen at the camp. I think Georgia should feel really good there. Micah DeBose is an offensive tackle. I wrote about him yesterday, but Alabama is coming after him. You know, they really started to pick things up. They and others really started to pick things up after he committed to Georgia in January. So I think that Georgia will be mindful of what's going on with Micah DeBose's recruitment, but they're definitely open to letting him take visits. And he still considers himself solidly committed to Georgia, even though I know people are going to fret and worry about that anytime a guy from Mobile, Alabama is looking at Alabama. Um, so those two guys really impressed. I mean, they are two guys. Like if you were to just take a list, guys were lined up like, you know, who do we want to draft for our team just based on pure look? Micah DuBose and Justice Terry look just about as good as anybody that was out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of guys that I would like to talk about. I mean, Ryan Montgomery is a quarterback that I think is going to be looking at Georgia and Michigan. Usman Kroma is a running back from Lee County that I think is going to be looking at a lot of schools around the SEC. Uh, you know, some wide receivers, Nashawn Montgomery camped at Georgia and picked up an offer last week. He looked really good out there as well. Ryan Williams is a wide receiver committed to Alabama that's definitely in constant communication with Dylan, was part of that throwing session out at Jefferson High School with some of the other Georgia commits that we've already mentioned at wide receiver. So there were a lot of guys down there that I'll have more about, but my favorite takeaway, and I'll, I'll give a little teaser for a story that I'm going to write later this week as well, but there's a guy from Reigns High School an offensive lineman named Solomon Thomas. Now, if you are in, into the recruiting world, you know Reigns High School also turned out Solomon Kinley, who came to Georgia and you know, had a lot of success as well. So we were having some jokes about guys named Solomon at Reigns just being a lead offensive lineman. But the cool thing is Solomon Thomas and Solomon Kinley actually have a really close relationship with one another. They work out, they train together, they have a big brother, little brother relationship. Solomon Thomas was joking around about you know, Solomon Kinley, sometimes they just get into spats when they're working out about things. They don't talk to each other for a few days. And then Kinley will just hit him up and say, you know, what, let's go see a movie or something like that. Like, let's just hang out and spend some time together. So they've got a really good relationship. Whether or not that ends up playing a role in Solomon Thomas's recruitment is, you know, that remains to be seen. But Georgia is definitely a, a serious contender in that. And I just thought there was a cool little back and forth there about him and his relationship with the guy that obviously had a lot of success in Athens. So I'll have more and plenty of that at dogs 247 24 seven later this week. And uh, yeah, but it was a good time down there and Georgia's just all the talk everywhere. Right. That, that tends to happen coming off back to back national championships. There's no doubt about that. Um, looking at this time of year, you know, we're starting to get into the end of, um, you know, having guys on campus. A lot of announcements are coming up and I'll start with you, Kip. Uh, what do you see for this week, um, just in how important this is for Georgia? How valuable, you know, having some of these guys in Athens could prove to be, whether it's guys in this class or even looking to future classes? Yeah, this last weekend, Georgia had, you know, five official visitors. And, you know, one of the guys we haven't, you know, really talked about, you know, Michael uh, Uni, uh offensive tackle from Copper's Cove in Texas, 6'7", uh, 300 pounds. Like we said with the defensive line, 
been about trying to figure out these numbers. Stacy Sarrells stacked the board as about as deep as you can. And, you know, every single week it was like, well, you know, haven't hasn't really been a lot said about Georgia with this guy. And then, you know, three days later, well, uh, I don't know how Georgia's going to have room for anyone else. You know, we kept adding guys that we think Georgia was projected to land after every single weekend. And so, like he said, as far as hindsight, we should probably have been paying attention to every single official visitor and how they're ordered because it seems like, you know, maybe Georgia had a plan here and and felt pretty good about where they were along the offensive line because this is a guy now that was projected to Michigan, uh, you know, throughout his recruitment, I guess, and then sneaks in this midweek official visit to Alabama, takes his final official, official visit to Georgia, it is now set to announce, you know, on, uh, I believe, Wednesday, Friday, uh, Friday. Uh, this is a recruitment that is now what we're following as the, the next decision, possibly for Georgia. And one where we we feel that Georgia and Alabama are both right in this gave them a lot to think about. And while it does seem like, it, it, you know, it came out of left field. He started to look back at his recruitment and, and when Georgia offered, you know, they had him on campus. For their end of the summer event this time last year, the end of July last year, their dog days of summer, and offered him a scholarship then. Uh, that's kind of where things began, that relationship with Stacey Searles in Georgia. So, I mean, this has been at least a year in the making here for a guy that's uh, inside the top 200 overall prospects in the country in an offensive tackle class that we've said is just kind of, you know, there's not really a huge separation from the number two offensive tackle to the number 15, 16, 20 offensive tackle. I think these guys are all pretty close on the board for a lot of schools. But it's pretty clear this guy is very high on the board for multiple programs. And, you know, we again, we've talked about other offensive linemen. Nair Daniels is a guy, you know, Mar- Marquez Easley, uh, Daniel Calhoun, uh, you know, multiple guys we've mentioned with Georgia as, as being pretty well positioned to land. And so now it's, you know, which ones are, you know, are they going to make room for? Uh, I, I think Georgia would would love to have uh, Michael in the class. And I think that's the one we're going to be following over the next three or four days, digging to try to see, is it Georgia? You know, is it Alabama? Michigan's obviously still, still involved as well. But I, I think we have an S, another SEC battle on our hands here. And this could be a huge recruiting win for Stacey Sarrells as he's able to land this guy. And then, you know, we're looking at some of these other guys and wondering, all right, so, that we've already projected some of these guys to Georgia. So what what kind of numbers, you know, are is Georgia going to take? Uh, I think they take five offensive linemen when all is said and done. They got two committed right now. So if they're able to land up Michael on Friday, obviously, you know, there's some conversations that might have to be had. Stacey Searles might be walking into other position rooms. Glenn Schumann saying, you're only taking two inside linebackers uh, this cycle. I, I got to have this offensive tackle. And we know how Kirby Smart is, line of scrimmage. So I think right now, Trey Scott, Stacey Searles are probably going to get, you know, that extra number if they want it in this class. And I I think that a guy that has been talked about a lot coming back to Georgia, Stacey Searles, here's his, you know, this recruiting cycle, this second one for him. And now he's having to tell other coaches, maybe you you don't get to have a guy because I'm going to land another guy for my position room here. So I, I think, again, uh, I don't think you should really question uh, Kirby Smart when he's bringing in some of these coaches, even though maybe they've coached at Georgia before. Uh, it feels like uh, with Stacey Searles, he knew what he was getting, and, and it's working out pretty well right now for the dogs. 
if there is anyone that has earned benefit of the doubt at this point, I would say it is Kirby Smart. Uh, ben, is there anything in particular you're looking for these next few days, uh, things of interest that you're going to be keeping a close eye on? I mean, Kip nailed it, the numbers game. I mean, the offensive line and defensive line right now, the number of spots that would logically, it seemed like Georgia would take in this class uh, is exceeded by the number of guys that seem like they have significant interest in Georgia. I think that on the offensive line, I mean, you really have, you know, four to six names left, really, right? I mean, you've got Daniel Calhoun, Easley, Michael Ooney, uh, Nair Daniels, uh Ethan Calloway is committing this weekend as well. Fletcher Westfall. So Jonathan Daniels, like these are the guys that took their official visits to Georgia, right? Like we don't want to exclude anyone at this point that took an official visit to Georgia because Georgia brought them on campus for a reason. But it feels to me like those first four that I named are really going to fill those three spots. And I just am really interested to see how it plays out. I'd be lying if I said Kirby Smart let me see the board when I joined Dogs 24-7 last, last month. So I don't know exactly where everybody stacks up among those four. So I'm excited to see sort of how that plays out. I think everybody will be making decisions pretty quickly here. But the same thing sort of st- stands on the defensive line. I mean, the, the trenches right now are crazy just in terms of the number of big-time guys that have been at, in Athens that have significant interest in Georgia and f- seeing how everybody sort of fills in there, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting July. I guess that's just how I'd leave it. Yeah, Ben and Kip on the recruiting side definitely earn their money because it's uh, it's a numbers game and, uh, and nobody's showing their cards. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, let's get into the Georgia Men's Basketball Minute. Actually, a little bit of news on this front. We were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel with uh, Mount St. Mary's game last week. We did uh, learn that Georgia will be playing Mercer in non-conference play, but... More importantly than that, the SEC has put out everybody's SEC opponents for the upcoming season. We don't know when these games will be quite yet, but we do know that Georgia will have home and homes with Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, LSU, and South Carolina. They will host Alabama, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Texas A&M, and they will play at Kentucky, at Mississippi State, at Missouri, and at Vanderbilt. Looking at that, I think that's a pretty fair lay of the land. I do think it's it, the toughest part of it to me is that you do have to play Arkansas twice because I think Arkansas has a legitimate chance of winning the SEC this year. But some of your toughest games you got at home, Alabama, Tennessee, I think Texas A&M could be really good, and Ole Miss will be uh, taking a step forward, I would expect, with Chris Beard. So I think on the whole that's a pretty fair uh, lay of the land, a pretty fair conference schedule it'll be really interesting to just see how these games are spread out when they play uh, teams uh, at what point in the conference slate but um, I I think that uh, fans should feel pretty good about Georgia going into this year Uh, we'll see how things shake up and uh, shake out Um, but I think it could be a whole lot worse when you look at the schedule and uh, it's just going to be up to this team to uh, show up and be ready to compete 21 wins uh, I think it's possible. I'm thinking 20 to 21, which remember they won what six games two years ago. So, I mean, if they can get right in there, I think a realistic goal wins aside would be the NIT. And I think this team can do that. If they got, if they finish better than that, I would consider that a really successful year. 
I'm, I'm personally disappointed to hear Missouri's not going to be in Stegman this year. Demoy Hodge was probably my favorite player that I watched play this year when I went to Georgia games. So b- bummer. I guess I'll have to find a way to convince someone to let me make the Columbia trip. We'll expense you out there. You can uh, you can make that trip for us. I think that will definitely be worth the money. Um, well, on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. I appreciate Kip and Ben for popping on. Appreciate everyone who tuned in live, who checked this out, and everybody who is listening to it and watching it after the fact. But we're done there. Appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in and checking us out. And until next time, take care. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.